No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for downloading and listening. I'm Frank Salvato. Before I intro this morning's segment on America's Third Watch, I want to point out the overt and deliberate attack on innocent Israelis in Jerusalem last Thursday by Hamas terrorists. This attack resulted in the murders of six people and the severe injury of five more. I warned of this in the run-up to the fake ceasefire. I warned that the secession of hostilities was not as it appeared and, in fact, was a hudna, a perceived ceasefire that gives jihadis, and that's what Hamas is, a group of jihadis, an opportunity to regroup, rearm, re-strategize, and redeploy. We witnessed the end of that short hudna with the murders in Jerusalem. The West, and especially those pro-Hamas Palestinian protesters who exist in the intellectual void of college campuses and radical urban assemblies, have completely failed to understand the Hamas mindset. As Professor Dennis McIan, the Royal Literary Fund Fellow at Newcastle University in England, wrote on the Middle East Forum, quote, The jihad is waged against the entire world, but Israel has become its focus. Since the jihad is deemed unending, and since Israel is going to stay, there will be no end to the religiously inspired struggle. The Hamas covenant, for example, is unequivocal. There is no solution for the Palestinian question except through jihad. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are all a waste of time and vain endeavors. The best that the international community can hope to achieve is a political solution, but this can't occur unless a way is found not only to control the violent tendencies of the extremists, but also to rework Muslim theology and thought. There is no Muslim equivalent to reform, conservative, or reconstructionist Judaism. Almost all the great Muslim thinkers of the last century have been deeply conservative. For Muslims, the challenge is to move from a worldview that sees all other religions and all non-Muslim people as inferior, satanic, ignorant, and subject to Muslim conquest to one that coheres more closely with modern thinking in Europe, the Americas, and the Far East, where there's competition between nations and corporations, but where religious hatred is increasingly relegated to the history books. Others may have to abandon similar prejudices, but the extent of Islamic terrorism, its link to the provisions of the Sharia, and the gulf between Islamic thinking on human rights and the norms of the original Declaration of Human Rights justify concentration on Islamic intolerance as a special problem. It is time for leaders to emerge within the Muslim world, capable of guiding their people towards peace and humanity. However, It's difficult to see how Israel or the West can have confidence in Hamas's long-term aims. Its position suggests a wholesale rejection of any mediated, peaceful resolution of the conflict. Bottom line, 
Hamas and those who are of the devout jihadi mindset do not want peace with Israel. They want Israel and the whole of the Jewish people anywhere and everywhere not to exist. And the fact that the last election in Gaza resulted in the Palestinians voting overwhelmingly for a Hamas-run government, well, that's a statement that can't be ignored. Now on to the dumpster fire that was Sean Hannity's great red state, blue state debate. I don't know of a junior high school debate team member who would have called what took place last night a debate. No debating took place. In fact, no issue juxtaposition was executed except for talking point bravado. The people, the consumers, the viewers learned nothing but that our politicians literally hate each other. The idea of having a debate has always been a good one. But with the introduction of spin doctors, Madison Avenue marketers, and the slash-and-burn, win-at-all-cost ideology of Saul Alinsky, politicians can't be trusted to engage civilly in debate. They are incapable because they lust for power. Hannity had a chance to produce something significant, but his guests betrayed his intent, and that's something the governors have to be held responsible for. In the future, and I mentioned this in the beginning of the segment, the American people, as well as the networks and the candidates, would be better served if a moderator, and I have that in quotes, by the way, there are quotes right there, scripted a set of questions to be asked of each candidate and then asked them one-on-one for an equal set amount of time. They could then spotlight highlight answer moments in a same-screen final comparison segment. Glaring inaccuracies might also be pointed out during that segment. If presidential debates were formatted like that, the American people would be better educated on the positions each candidate holds. And additionally, the networks could, I'm not saying they are bright enough to do so, but they could, examine and investigate each candidate's campaign planks to illustrate or expose any infidelity or fealty to their positions. Regardless, the present political debate format is useless and only serves to further divide an already fractured nation. If either of the political parties gave a damn, this format would change. Now, if someone could give Rona McDaniel that message after she's finished lunching at Spago, that would be great. When we come back, this morning's segment on America's Third Watch. Handcrafted, exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. The debate was last night. Uh, People are talking about it. We've been talking about it this morning. And, of course, we have Frank Silvato 
from undergroundusa.com and the author of the book Nullification, joining us here on this Friday morning. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, you know, I I think Gavin Newsom really did think that he was going to make a big splash, but he, he was really, you know, not likable. I just have to put it that way. He just came off as as uh, as being Mr. Slip Guy, it didn't uh, it didn't really translate. No, and and to the people who usually watch MSNBC and CNN, who tuned into that last night, I think they probably thought he did a great job. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the the problem here is that there was we had a chance to listen to two people who are diametrically opposed ideologically who loved their states. Hey, Newsom talked well about his state, didn't know his facts from a hole in the ground, but he, <laughs> he likes his state. Um, and it turned into a dumpster fire because both of them, and I'm going to admonish, I'm going to admonish DeSantis's team on this too. They didn't do what they promised. They didn't have a dialogue. They talked over themselves all night long. It, it was like a version of mini me between Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump. Yeah. I, I don't know who learned anything new last night. It would have been much more productive for the, for the viewer or the listener, depending on how you consumed it, if Sean would have had 40 minutes with the exact same questions for both people one-on-one -on -one, and then had his crack production staff pull the highlights for each question and show them back-to-back -back for the last 15 minutes. We would have been able to hear what everybody was saying the producers could have fact-checked in real time, you know. So I, I think it could have been – we missed an opportunity here to have a, an honest dialogue about the divide in this country and the two different ways that people see government in their role. Now, that said, I don't know why DeSantis and Hannity didn't call Gavin Newsom on the fact that he just refused – to acknowledge the federal government's statistics on everything. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And, you know, and I appreciate your comments about the format because I think a lot of people are getting tired of the, the shouting match format. Uh, and, uh, we, we don't really get to learn a lot. The only kind of takeaways people can get, and I think especially with this debate was to see that Gavin Newsom, you know, didn't seem to be the person that maybe uh, people would think that he was if they didn't know a lot about him. They just seen him on the news here and there. But he did not come off as somebody who I think people would feel like, okay, you're in charge, you're governing your state. It's more like he's checking off boxes for different groups. But on the other side, DeSantis at least came off like, hey, I'm making some, maybe sometimes some unpopular choices were bold moves, but they do actually result in something. Well, they both had strong points and they both had negative points, a lot of negative points. The strong point for Newsom is that he can dance around a question. <laughs> right. The guy didn't answer one question that was asked. He always and I'm and I'm shocked that Hannity didn't shut that down. It was I'll get to your I'll get to your question, but first I want to talk about Right. Or, or how, well, how DeSantis did this wrong or that, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not what I asked you and that's not the format of, of the of this gathering here answer the question you know so when Ron DeSantis pointed that out and he did point it out he said he, he still hasn't answered your question this guy is nothing but a slimy slick politician and that's exactly what he is he's got the the Caesar smile from the Hunger Games 
Right. You know, and, and, and he didn't answer a question. He dodged every question that he didn't want to answer, even though Hannity even said it. I'm going to ask for the third time. What, what is your answer on this? You know, I, I just stunning how they can ref, they can refuse. And this is endemic in the left, how they can refuse to answer questions while answering the questions they wished they were asked using statistics that don't exist. Well, right. Yeah, because they, they, they can throw that out there because by the time it gets fact checked, people, a lot of people have already made up their minds because they say, oh, well, you know, Gavin Newsom said thus and such. Well, and, and case in point, CDC numbers from the CDC. Now, this is Gavin Newsom saying we followed the science. We listened to government. You need to trust government on COVID. You, you must trust. We, we just followed the science. Well, these is, are the statistics. From the CDC, are you saying now don't believe them? <laughs> right. Were, were they only true when they when when they did what you wanted them to do, and now that the statistics are proving you to be a liar on national television? Oh, just forget about those. I got mine from Murray down on the corner. <laughs> you know, it, it, the FBI statistics were the same. The crime statistics—you can't run from that. And he's trying to say that. San Francisco and Los Angeles have have less of a crime problem with violent crime than Orlando and Tampa. <laughs> it's a what, little, yeah, that's what, over the top. Yeah. What planet does he live on? <laughs> Good question. I tell you what, Frank, hold the thought there real quick because we're going to come right back. And folks, we'll take your telephone calls too at Frank 949. You're listening to Underground USA. They're funding abortions, demanding Americans comply with their woke climate agenda. They teach people that the U.S. is a system of white supremacy while stripping away your Second Amendment rights. A California Democrat? No. It's Bank of America under CEO Brian Moynihan. There's enough people pushing political agendas in America. Your bank shouldn't be one of them. Bank of America. Their lies start with their name. Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar, Brian Deese, is Biden's economic advisor, crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. There's something else that you wanted to say uh, specifically, right, about the debate. Oh, absolutely. There was uh, two things that are that are important here. We had no checkpoints in Florida during COVID. Right. That's, that's something that Gavin Newsom said, just bald-faced lied to the camera. You in Florida had checkpoints during COVID. <laughs> we didn't have any, any, any checkpoints in COVID. Uh, and I would, I want to say this to DeSantis's handlers because I know they listen to the program out of Tallahassee. He doesn't need to use the plastic smile all the time. He could have just looked directly at Gavin Newsom and even show a little bit of disdain towards him for what he's saying, because the nervous smile 
I had so many comments about the nervous smile. It looked like a nervous smile. Maybe it wasn't, but it didn't play well to people who didn't know Ron DeSantis. Yeah. So, and I think so and Saturday Night Live actually has picked up on the smile issue, too. Yeah, that's got to stop immediately. He can be a serious human being. He doesn't need to to do TV 101 from the Leadership Institute where you have to smile into the camera because people like happy people. The country's not in a good way right now. You can have a concerned face. So to Ron's handlers and preppers, you got to step into the major league, the major league now, because that's the arena you're playing in. Well, indeed. And also, too, Gavin Newsom, I thought, was a little disingenuous when he would not, uh, well, he was asked about how the Biden administration's doing and, and if something happened. And again, it was a case of not really answering the question because Sean Hannity's question was essentially, what if something happens or goes wrong or Biden does step down? Would you then, you know, accept this and sort of get into this? And he kind of went on about, you know, Kamala Harris. And he got a, went on about how I'm I'm supporting them to be reelected and stuff like that. When everybody watching this thing knows that he, I think in his heart of hearts, he's waiting for that opportunity and, and thinks it's coming, you know, uh, sometime next year. There's political, political saliva dripping off his fangs <laughs> for the DNC to say, you know what? Boy, we went to an open convention and we picked Gavin Newsom. Right. They can do that. They don't need to hold to hold fidelity to the primaries. That just sends the delegates to the convention. If the convention decides that they want to nominate someone else and go to goes to a floor vote, then that's it. Right. Oh, so, you're right about that. But what it, you got Gavin Newsom vote saying? No. Well, Kamala Harris is the next. You know, the next person in line. And I don't know. Is he just playing some game where he's just supposed to say this stuff? Until it's he doesn't have to say this stuff? Of course he is, because the DNC holds the money bags for afterwards. Yeah. This is this is all about the money for him. And, uh, you know, you were talking earlier. He's checking boxes. He's checking boxes. He's saying the talking points. He's sticking with it. Nobody alive today can believe that the economy is good. When a new study comes out saying you need 11435 extra dollars this year just to maintain where where you were last year yeah if that's Biden. if that's biden bidenomics flush the toilet no no kidding because most people don't have that uh not even close to it because their wages aren't going up and so forth and and yet again we're supposed to and i'm glad desantis used the word lying eyes we're not supposed to believe our lying eyes when we're looking at what's happening in our in our own lives you know again when you can stand on on a on a television stage when you've got a graphic that you can see that's quoting the administrations that you have been saying have been flawless and above board the entire two years biden's been in there the fbi crime statistics and the cdc and you can say straight into the camera that both of them are absolutely wrong and our numbers say it's completely something different. You're outing yourself as a political opportunist and someone who's got a very loose relationship with the truth. Yeah, you're right about that. Another thing that Newsom would do, he would he would have that indignation against Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis happened to call 
Kamala Harris Kamala, and he and uh, uh, Newsom just went, you know, off the deep end about that. Well, and I and I hate the way you denigrate LGBTQ and and people of color and everything. He never said anything about those, so he needed to throw the throw the. That's why I made that mention to the mini me's from from Biden and and Trump. Remember when Biden would just dismiss the answer Trump gave and called him a clown, dressed him down like he had some kind of paternal authority over him. He this is exactly what Biden did in the debates with Trump. Mm-hmm. dismissed, belittled, denigrated. The the Democrat Party, if that's the best you've got to offer, your party's pathetic. Well, indeed. Indeed. And, of course, also, I, I think it, at the very least out of this debate, now, I agree, I, I think the, the format, you know, is is now, it's, it's so done to death that, you know, nobody wants to sit there and watch the whole thing because they just kind of, no matter who the politicians are, they, they, they start yelling at each other mostly. Um, but, but basically though, the clear choices though, I think are really being set up for 2024. And of course, there's a lot of messaging coming out of the media, but going back to like Ronald Reagan in his day, there was a real clear choice. How are we going to, which direction is the country going to go in? And we couldn't have a clearer choice between Newsom and DeSantis. It's kind of, it's not really like, well, I like this and that and that and the other thing, but between the two of them, it's like you like the one or you like the other because they're representing these, these viewpoints. And they're yeah, very different. And, and, and this is, I liked the idea of a red state versus blue state debate, but no debate took place. It, it went right back to that format of, boy, if I can find a gotcha phrase, I'm just going to I'm going to slam you with it. And if not, I'm just going to repeat talking points over and over and over the debate format that we have for presidential elections. And this was something that was modeled to be one sucks. Right. We learn we learn nothing. So one on one interviews where you get into a a substantive discussion with the candidate about his stuff, go ahead and grill him. Let's find out what he stands for, and then let's compare the interviews back to back. If the interviews have to take a week, who cares? But I'm going to learn more. I'm going to I'm going to learn what a candidate is about if I don't have the time to actually get online in the age of information and and dig around on somebody's past political actions and votes and philosophies. You you actually can do that in an afternoon if you're diligent about it. Right. Indeed. You know, so unless you're unless they're willing to change the formats, I don't see the worth in wasting in, in, in wasting the time to watch them. Yeah. Well, and also they brought up um, the issue of abortion was brought up. Newsom wanted to try to uh, pin down DeSantis and saying, would you sign the six week national abortion ban? And again, trying to make it look as though there's going to be such a thing at the federal level. But the Supreme Court just recently sent it all back to the states. It's really a state issue now. And that's where he, he should, DeSantis should have been prepped better. I agree. It was, a, it was a perfect opportunity for him to say, you know, there's more freedom of choice for the party that always screams choice is the ultimate thing in the, in the decision that the, that the Supreme Court handed down. Because if you don't like the rule in the state in which you live, you have the freedom to go to another state to access what you want. Exactly. So having 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 the states make the decision here gives more freedom to everybody in the United States, not just the people of that state. Indeed. But it, 
but when you're not prepped for a, for a solid answer like that to defend states' rights, to to defend the downsizing of the federal government, you get this tit for tat back and forth. Well, you want you want to be able to abort babies after they've been born, and you want you don't you don't want abortions even if the mother's going to die. Th- those are false arguments. Nine four nine eight two two seventy nine fifty nine. That's the number to call if you'd like to opine. You have a question or comment uh, for us. And yes, we've been talking a lot about this debate, but this debate is really uh, it covered so many different things. And uh, again, brings up all these different notions, all these different issues that are facing us. Uh, but uh, of course, our guest, Frank Salvato, UndergroundUSA.com and author of the book Nullification. You know, you've got all these these issues that they were at least touching on. Um, and uh, the American people, anybody who might have tuned into this, you know, I'm sure that they found something in there that that was dear to them in the sense that they're concerned about it, especially crime and all these different things. But um, it again, these clear choices, I think, are going to be there. And I, I appreciate one thing, the one one sort of buzzword that uh, DeSantis had, and that was the ideological joyride. <laughs> he said that Newsom is going on in California, and I thought, yeah, that's that's about right. That sounds about right. I think people have to remember, you know, you you, you have to have a memory in in politics. You have to be able to remember beyond the last election, uh, back throughout a person's career in politics, if they're going to be a career politician. Uh, I'm glad that DeSantis pointed out that Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Everything that San Francisco is today is California is headed down that road to being San Francisco as a state. And he is absolutely right. And this has come from a, a bunch of different sources. Democrats look at California as the model. They want the rest of the country to be like California. And, and that's, you know, that's not the, the, where we hear that as a, as a catastrophe. People on the far left celebrate that idea. Well, right. So, and, and, so and, when, when you're talking about that divide, there's your divide. Oh, yeah. And, and they, they actually, as you said, they, I'm so glad you mentioned it. That's the model that they want to use. And how they get there, too, is through the monoparty. California, you know, Republicans don't even need to show up to the legislature. You know, right. really, it's not it's just sort of, a, you know, an honorary position, I, I guess. Uh, but they, they can do whatever they want. So they've got nobody to blame but themselves. And then what happens is people do vote with their feet. And I was just saying yep. earlier on the show that, you know, I know people who have left California or want to leave California for whatever reason, they you know they gotta they gotta make it work. But there are a lot of people who do sort of pick up and go, and businesses are picking up and going. Well, far be far be it for me to to contrast Gavin Newsom's idea about the exodus from California, quoting the the census data. <clears throat> you know that right. that's that's another one where oh here's here's your your administration saying this is what's happened, and now you're calling them liars. You know, so I know that we were seeing 1,200 people a day coming into Florida from from California and Oregon, I believe, was the other state that was where they were most coming from, and New York coming into Florida since the beginning of the Biden administration. So the numbers are real. I, I don't know what Gavin is smoking when he talks about, oh, 
you're losing people by the day. No, we're not. And the, <laughs> and, the, and the real estate prices will prove that out because they keep going up. Well, exactly. But then in people can people can get out of California, let's say, because they don't like what's happening or, or leave another uh, blue state that they, they don't like what's happening. But once it becomes the model for all the all the nation, now where do you go? I mean, everybody can't just go to Costa Rica or something. Well, this is why I wrote the book Nullification. Mm-hmm. It is all based on the fact that the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist papers had a, a, a very healthy debate and nothing was decided. They didn't take nullification away from the states. And that's why you can have sanctuary states like New York, Illinois, and California. They refuse to recognize the federal law there. Well, if that's the case, the other side can do it too. So when Gavin Newsom's talking about this non-existent federal law about abortion, the Florida could just say, we're not, you know, we're going through the legislature with this. We're, we're hitting our supermajority, and we're not recognizing it. We're not recognizing that illegal federal law it goes against the Constitution. It violates the Bill of Rights. We, we, this is the case for nullification to, to not follow that federal law, and we're doing it. As far as immigration is concerned, the federal government's supposed to be taking the lead on that. Right. You know, you know, there's there's it's in the Constitution that they deal with with matters of immigration and international international law and security and, and relations. So they're supposed to be on top of this and giving us a secure border. These states are saying we're going to violate that lawful statute in order to do what we want to ideologically, going back to the reference that DeSantis made with uh, about the ideological uh, merry-go-round roller coaster funhouse clown show, whatever Newsom's <laughs> on, right. you know. But people also need to remember that Newsom had this a recall election in California, That's you know, true. and and he had the campaign to actually get past that. He had to make his case and resell himself to the people of California because they thought he sucked. And and what does he get? The Democrat Party says, well, there's someone who should be president. Well, yeah, well, well, they really don't have anybody else uh, realistically, uh, and they don't have a deep bench. Nobody wants to bring Hillary back, Yeah, <laughs> although she wants to be brought back. You know, she's going to it's going to be scratched on the inside of her coffin. I was I was robbed of the presidency and I don't see her getting indicted by the DOJ. Yeah. For seeing that an election was stolen. You know, this when when we look back on this, maybe 10 years from now, legal scholars, if in fact our law schools aren't still polluted by the woke ideology and and the ideology of leftism and Marxism. They're going to say, "Wow, this was a this was a a political persecution that took place by an ensconced establishment that's been feeding off the government trough for decades. How did we allow that to happen?" Exactly right. Exactly right. And by the way, you can sign up for Hillary's masterclass evidently, <laughs> where she reads her her acceptance speech. And you have to wear you have to wear a Palestinian scarf. <laughs> I think so, but see, this is the level. I mean, and sometimes I wonder: is it is it just a level of delusion, or is it really calculating? And sometimes I lean towards calculating because 
It's like they know what they're doing and they understand how they're trying to manipulate the narrative. And, uh, you know, as you said, you know, she's essentially an election denier, which you, you know, technically speaking, but yet nobody's after her about that. It's kind of like, oh, poor thing. Oh, yeah, well, you should have won and so forth, you know. But no, the, the American people said something different. I think it's I think you've got 33 percent the delusion, 33 um, percent um, their willingness to to try to exploit the situation. And I think it's 33 percent arrogance. If there was one thing that I saw dripping off of Gavin Newsom last night was the want to lecture both of them. Oh, yeah. You know, the arrogance in saying you you're obviously not intelligent enough to understand the deeper meaning of stuff we're talking about here. So because I look like Caesar from the Hunger Games, let me tell you what the truth is. You know, nobody owns the truth, but through the facts. And he wouldn't even acknowledge the facts from his own administration. Well, you know, exactly. Yeah. So maybe with Newsom, it's a, it's maybe 60 percent. 60% arrogance and 30% delusion. But, uh, you know, the only the only category I'll give Newsom an A on is being able to slip through the fingers when it comes to, to answering the questions and being accountable for his dismal performance as governor of California. Right. Well, a lot of times I think that the look on his face sometimes was, you know, Man, I really wish I was just at the French Laundry right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. having dinner. <laughs> and a couple times, the camera person saw, you know, caught him rolling his eyes or waving his hands. Like I, I cannot believe him being subjected to this this inferior intellect that's being thrown at me here. <laughs> you know, yeah. that air, that people don't like that kind of arrogance unless you're in that inner circle of arrogance. Well, exactly. So I don't know how he plays to a, a national audience and, and certainly wouldn't siphon votes away from the Republican, you know, no. unless you're yeah. Mitt Romney. <laughs> and, he, and he won't siphon votes away from, from Kennedy either. Nope. And I think you're right. Well, Frank Silvato, UndergroundUSA.com and author of the book Nullification. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Stay long. Thanks. Take care. Frank Silvato, everybody. We're coming right back. If you like the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, rate it if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to UndergroundUSA.com to sign up for our Substack, which comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact checkers, because we both know that they're worthless and that's been proven over time. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available in Kindle and paperback over at Amazon.com. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato, and we will be back right after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group. 